0: And I invite you to open up your Bibles and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 this morning. Today seemed like a pretty good Sunday for a Gospel Roots message of the month. To celebrate our 125th anniversary as a church, we're looking at the foundational values and practices that have shaped our church family for a century and a quarter. We're looking back at the root system, or underneath, at the root system that has fed us and formed us for all of these many years. We call them gospel roots because that's what we're all about, the gospel, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We sing the gospel in worship. We take the gospel to the lost in evangelism. We pray about the gospel. We find the gospel in God's Word. Where stands it written? We send missionaries to take the gospel around the world, and we point to the gospel in caring fellowship of our church. As we love one another, we show Jesus' love to others. Here's our purpose statement. We exist to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ through worship, instruction, fellowship, evangelism, and what's the one we haven't talked about so far this year? Service, that's right. And that's our key word for today, service. I want to encourage us to think about all of the acts of service that have made this church what it has been for the last 125 years of ministry. In fact, ministry is is another word for service, isn't it? That's what we're talking about today, ministry. And today I don't want to talk so much about the ministry of the word, or the ministry of prayer, we've already done that this year. Today I want to talk about the sacrificial acts of service that often go unnoticed, behind the scenes. The work, the labor, the volunteering, serving in all of the more hidden areas of church ministry. And of course this is an appropriate day to do that following our 6th annual Good News Cruise. One of our biggest events of the year, and one that requires a lot of volunteer labor. How many people helped put on the Good News Cruise this year? I have no idea. Oh, you're, you're looking for, yes, thank you, yes, I see that hand, yes, you did. I have no idea how many people helped. Taking pictures. People setting up tents. People serving hot dogs and chips. People taking out the trash. Anybody see the dumpster this morning? That's the biggest it ever gets of the year. You know, I'm sure that uh, D&G, when they come by this week, are like, what happened here? People gathering door prizes, going from place to place and getting them. Putting a tag on the door prizes, putting the door prizes out. Managing the chaos when everybody comes for their door prize all at once, right, Penny? Uh, writing a word of encouragement on a door prize. Carrying a cooler from here to there. Setting up a table, taking down a table, wiping down a table, plugging in an extension cord, lighting candles, right? Never had to do that before at the Good News Cruise when it rains. Okay, so which of those things were the important things? Yeah, they were all important. As we said last week, the Good News Cruise is an all-hands-on-deck kind of ministry, and it takes a big team to pull it off. And there's a cost to that. We can give it away to our community because we give our time away to the Lord. How many people asked last week, asked you yesterday, how can you do this, right? How can you just give this away? People are trying to give me money, you know? No, no, this is our gift to you guys. One of Art's friends told me that they were asking Art, uh, they said, we're not coming back unless you let us give. And Art said, we're sure going to miss you. And they were here yesterday, by the way. How can we do that? We do it because we're giving. There's a cost associated any time you give something away. How many acts of service happened just this last week to put on the Good News Cruise? I have no idea. Now, multiply that number that you can't think of times 125 years. That's our church. How many acts of service have been done to carry on the work of the ministry of Lance Evangelical Free Church since 1892? Only God knows that number. But here's what we do know. It's all worth it. It's all worth it. Each one of those acts of service, whether they are known and counted by others, are not done in vain. God sees every one of them. He values every one of them. And He promises to use every single one of them for our good and for His glory forever. That's the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is one of my all-time favorite verses. It, it, it might qualify as my life verse. Recently, John sixteen thirty-three has kind of come up to the top in my in my heart, but for a long time it's been 1 Corinthians 15.58. In fact, probably if, you, if, I, if somebody asks me to autograph one of my books, that's what I write in it. I write, stand firm, 1 Corinthians 15.58, and then I sign my name. This is one of my key life verses because it's so glorious. 1 Corinthians 15.58 is the very last verse of what we often call the resurrection chapter. The Corinthian Christians had a bunch of questions about the resurrection, and Paul takes an entire chapter answering those questions and proclaiming the certainty and centrality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and our resurrection still to come. And then this verse is the punchline of the whole thing. This verse is the application, the the so what of the resurrection chapter. Let's read it. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Would you pray with me? Father, may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in Your sight. Our Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Help us, Lord, to see the power of this verse and in its, in its simplicity and its profundity so that we might be changed and that we might live it out. Thank you for how it's been lived out for the last 125 years right here. We pray for more in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I know you're wondering. What, we, what do we have here in the mystery box? Some of you are thinking, this looks familiar, but it, it can't be what it looks like, right? What artifact could we use to stand for all the work and all the serving and all the giving and all the volunteering for the last 125 years? Well, let's start with one of these, all right? A water bottle from the Good News Cruise, 2017. It wasn't just donated to the church by a generous vendor. It was. But also, somebody took a picture of a car and, and, and transferred that on an SD card to the church office. Somebody else created a logo. Somebody else created a, a label. They printed the labels. Uh, somebody, I think, is still tired from printing all the labels. Then we had a group of people here on Tuesday night that slapped, I think, 800 of these or 820 of these on water bottles. Or how about this one? I'm going to put this where I can drink it. Um, anybody recognize what, the, what this is? Do you have an idea what it is? It's a light bulb, right? This one is 60 watts. No? The box says 60 watts, but the, the light bulb says 150 watts. Okay? This is an old school light bulb, right? This, these days we put in one of these one of these eco-friendly ones with uh, 13 watts, but 800 lumens of uh, brightness, Uh, or one of these. These are one of the ones, well, I don't know where they go. I thought they went up there, but that looks different from this. You can tell who does the light bulbs around here, right? Do you know what it takes to change one of these up there? Do you know what it takes to change one of those up there? It takes a big ladder. It takes time. You have to get the ladder out and and there's a, a special tool, I think, that we have to, to, to get them to come out and, and come down. It's a lot of work. Let me ask you this question. How many light bulbs have been changed at Lance Evangelical Free Church since 1892? There weren't any in 1892, I don't think. But there's been a lot since then. You, uh, It's something you don't think about every week. You don't think, wow, look, all the lights work this week, right? You only notice it when they don't work, right? It's like the like the video projector system, right? When it's working, we don't think about it. It's just images are on the screen, and we move right along. But a bulb goes out, or a computer get, gets frozen like it did this morning beforehand, and everybody's craning their neck to see what's going on back there. How many hours have gone in to volunteering to run the tech stuff around here, like those young gentlemen up there are doing this morning? Soundboard, video projection, keeping the computers running. John Christofitz has been our IT department here for the last 19 years Now, the one-man IT department. How about one of these? Has anybody... Let's see here. I am looking for a show of hands for this one. How many have held one of these up here at Lance Free Church? Yes, I know you have. Yep. Yeah, I stole this one from the furnace room. I promised to put it back. And I'll put it back clean. Um, Yeah. Um, Or or you were thinking, it can't be what I think it is, but it is. Let me tell you a story about this. I went 18 years as the pastor of this church without knowing where we kept the plunger, and I think now I'm glad I know where we keep the plunger. And yes, I do know how to use it. I uh, I know how to I use the one at home, okay. But I went 18 years. That's this thing got used all those 18 years, but I didn't have to know where it was because when there was a problem, somebody went and they grabbed it and they did what needed to be done. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Let me say this to you. It is no fun to use this. But if you use it in faith, it is incredibly important ministry. Seen by the Lord. Valued by the Lord. And promised by the Lord to be eternally worthwhile. That's the point of 1 Corinthians 15.58. Therefore, my dear brothers, because of the resurrection, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Too often we think that the work of the Lord is the work that some religious professionals do. Like me, I'm a religious professional. Or like professional uh, missionaries, like the folks on the back of the wall. I hope that our work is the work of the Lord too. Yes, yes. But 1 Corinthians 15, 58 is not written to a group of pastors and missionaries. To whom is it written? What's he say? Therefore, my dear brothers. It's written to the whole church family. And it's written about every kind of work and labor we do for the Lord. A couple of years ago, we looked at this verse and how it applies to our work life and our daily vocations out in the marketplace. But I think the primary application is whatever you're doing for the mission of the gospel. And that includes all of your volunteer service to the local church and our shared gospel mission. There are a lot of passages that I consider preaching on, on this topic for this Sunday, especially all the ones about using your gifts in ministry. That's why we just sang that that song and the song we're going to sing at the end to fit with this theme. Romans 12, like Donnie preached here a couple weeks ago. Or 1 Corinthians 12 with the body parts, right? The nose and the elbow and the, the arms, the that we're all we all have different gifts, but we all are a part of one body. Ephesians four says the same thing. I got really close to preaching First Peter four, ten and eleven, which says each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. It doesn't look the same from one person to another. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Water bottles, light bulbs, paintbrushes, plungers, computers, vacuum cleaners, ladders, carpet cleaners, brooms, snow shovels lawn mowers, chainsaws, skid steers, front end loaders. Anybody notice the brush cleaned up across the street on the triangle over there? There was was this little jungle that had grown up. And a couple weeks ago, Bob Bob Geiswhite and his grandson Joey came out and started ripping stuff up. And then that afternoon, Dave and Shane Michaels brought down their front end loader and (laughs) scooped it right out of there. That's ministry. That's the sound it makes, Rob. So, that's the, that's the front-end loader sound. That's ministry. How many hours do our facility team guys have in fixing things around here? I can't, I can't think of all the things that I've called Charlie Weaver to do. Hey, Charlie, uh, could you fix my desk? That The door won't open. Remember that one? Yeah. Could, could you change the batteries in this thing? I don't know where they are. I can't get my door open. There's, there's air coming in my door. Can you guys fix that so the air doesn't come in my door? Or Lonnie or, or Brian or Wally or, or George or Blair or Art or, or Alan or Cindy or Anita or Nesta or Ruth or Vera or Marilyn and I could go on and on. I could go around this room and I could just call every one of your name and I could say one thing that I have seen you do for this church family, some act of service. And you're not doing it to get your name called on a Sunday morning. You're doing it for the Lord. Our church is full of servants. One of the things I love about this sermon series is that I just get to get up here on a Sunday morning and brag on you. I get to brag on the Lord and brag on his people. You folks live this verse out to a T. In a lot of churches, they have what's called the 80-20 rule. 80% 80% of the work gets done by 20% of the people, right? We don't believe in that rule around here. Everybody gets involved. We have a church full of people who know how to give themselves to the work of the ministry, and I saw it yesterday. You know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think there's a day in the year that I'm more, whatever, whatever, whatever Christ, the Christian form of pride is, that, that I'm more proud to be your pastor than when I see you serving the community at the Good News Cruise. And you know how to give. Here's another artifact that makes it all possible. Right? Have you seen one of these before? How many times have we passed the plate? Up and down the aisles? We have our own special way of doing it, right? You know, you pass it down halfway, and then you pass it down back the other halfway. Ever, it takes a while to figure that out when you're at Lance Free Church, right? But that's the, way, that's the way we do it here. A lot of other churches, you pass it all the way down, and the guy gets it at the other side, and they, they pass it by. But here we do our, our little tricky thing Halfway down and halfway back. How many times have we passed the plate? How many dollars have gone into that? How many people have given, not just from their time and their talents, but from their treasures, from their wallet, from their bank account? That's enabled us to do so much ministry. Thank you for giving. And I speak as the staff person whom you spend... The most of those offerings on. I see the percentage of the budget that goes into taking care of me. And I am very grateful. And our church, our, our family is very grateful for your generous giving. Thank you for giving to the Lord and to his church. We who serve you on the ministry staff here are very grateful for your ongoing generosity. I know it's a sacrifice, I don't take it lightly. One of the things that your giving and serving has enabled us to do as a church is to sit in this very room, right? If I were to say, what's an artifact about all of the serving and giving that this church has done? Well, you're sitting in it right here. This, this, the church bu- The church is not a building. It's a group of people. If we didn't have this building, we'd still have a church, right? Absolutely. But the church building is an important tool. Our church has had four buildings in the last 125 years. Now, this is not the first building. This is the second one. I don't think there's a picture of the first building. The first building was built in the first year of the church, 1892. B. Johnson in in our church history book writes, Mr. Lansing Snyder donated an acre of ground to this little band of Swedish believers on which they could erect a building that would serve as a place to conduct their services. Lance is named after Lansing Snyder. Okay, so the guy who the, the the town is named after donated this land. The tract of land was a wooded area. But by the spring and summer of 1892, the men had cleared land on which to construct a building. And I doubt that they used husk varna or steel saws to do it, right? As soon as the land was cleared, construction began. The building was 20 by 30 feet, 600 square feet, smaller than our our fellowship hall. The cost of the building materials was 100 whopping dollars. And the moderator of the church, Alexander Gustafson, offered to construct the building for $27. Rope, could you build this building for $27? The first meeting held in the new edifice was on July 4th, 1892. And Matt Modzel loves this next little fact. Mr. Danielson offered to landscape the new church plot. He planted rye on the yard with the condition that he could harvest the crop in the fall of the year. For two consecutive years, the church lawn was a rye field. Don't get any ideas about the field out there. This church building, the one you see up here, and this is a picture of a picture. That's why it's so fuzzy. It wasn't fuzzy back in in this year. Uh, This is the second one from 1900, uh, 117 years ago, turn of the century. They tore down the old building, And they built a new one on the same location, 28 feet by 38 feet, 400 square feet larger for $300. And like I said back in June, the church spent more money on missions that year than they did on their new building. Now, do you all know where this this building was? It was not right here. You all know where it was? Over there in Lance, uh, in Lance proper. It's now an apartment building. Well, that's not this one here because... This one was torn down, and that one, the one I showed you, 1900, was torn down. And in 1930, they put up this one. It was, depre- it was the Depression era, so nobody had jobs, but they had lots of manpower uh, around, and so they had extra time. So they put up a third building. The cost this time was $4,038, and they moved in on Thanksgiving Day, 1930. In 1972, they put an addition on it. They put an addition on it. This one's looking a little bit more familiar for a number of you, um, and this picture also looks a lot better in the history book. And then, and that was at that time the church grew and grew and grew. So in 1974, the church purpose purchased the campus of the Cooper Township High School for fifteen thousand dollars. That's why this road over here, if you ever come in on it, it's called what? Cotahisk, right? That stands for Cooper Township High School. And it was the I think the name of the yearbook was Dakota Hisk. Uh, I I always have to explain it to people when I'm ordering something on the phone. Well, it's Dakota Hisk Road. How do you spell that? How do you pronounce that? Oh, don't try to pronounce it. It's just Cooper Township High School Road. The Church family broke ground on June 20th, 1976. There's a picture in here of Pastor Jack Kelly with a shovel in his hand. Okay, at the at the groundbreaking. By the way, uh, Jack told me this week that he's planning to be with us. First weekend in October for our special event, and he's going to bring his wife and his daughters, okay, who grew up in the parsonage. So uh, you're going to want to come and, and see Pastor Kelly. The church moved into this facility in November of 1977, and they built a huge foyer. It's one of the best things about our church family, right? How, what other, uh, Wally was saying to me yesterday, what other cruise in can you go to that when the rain comes down, everybody can come right on in? Uh, to the foyer, and every, just about everybody can fit in here and, and fellowship like that. Some of you, were a number of you were here. Some of you were doing the work. Some of you were running around and watching while others of you were doing the work. And many of us were not here yet. In July of 1994, there was a mortgage burning ceremony when this building got paid off for good. There's a picture of it in the church scrapbook that Lita, uh, as our historian, has been keeping you want to take a look at that and read the news article uh, about it. How many dollars? How many hours? How much labor and hard work has gone into building and maintaining these excellent facilities? Think about the Good News Crews. Isn't it wonderful that we have this beautiful campus with acres of land for people to park their cars and trucks and bikes and tractors on? You know what, though? I'll bet that at many times it didn't seem worth it. It didn't seem worth all the trouble and all the cost and all the time. I'll bet everybody here who has served this church in some ways have hit a wall from time to time. You get to the point where you are wondering if it was worth it to come to Kids for Christ again on a Wednesday night in the winter. You wondered if anybody cared that you stayed after the church family meal and meeting to wash dishes, to put up the tables, to vacuum the floor, to take out the trash. You wondered if it made any difference if you showed up to be a greeter or to shovel the walk or to lock up. Yeah, somebody had to do it or it wouldn't have gotten done, but was it worth it for you to take that time? I think yesterday was totally worth it. You know, we only got cut off about two hours before... Our event was over, and, and even though we say it starts at four, people were here at 1:30. so we'd had a big full day. But what if yesterday it had rained at one o'clock? And we'd done all that work and we'd, we'd prepared all those water bottles, and nobody came. How would it have felt then? Well, 1 Corinthians 15:58 says that it is most, definitely worth it, no matter what. It's not in vain. Paul gives it to us in three simple steps. Number one, stand firm. Look again at our verse. "Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. That's a call to perseverance. The King James translates it, "Be ye steadfast." Unmovable. Unbudgeable. right? Don't leave your post. Don't quit. Don't give up. Like we said yesterday, stay on the smooth route. Don't take a detour. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to stay in whatever ministry we have for the rest of our lives. No. I love it that we share the ministries around here. Nobody is is the church chairman forever. Nobody is the treasurer forever. No Penny's like, it sure seems like it. Ah." Right? Nobody's on the facilities team forever. Nobody has to teach kids for Christ forever. Nobody is the historian forever. Nobody's the pastor forever. I'm like the 26th pastor or the 27th pastor, something like that. And someday you'll have another one if the Lord tarries. This is not saying that we have to stay in the same ministry for our whole life. It's saying that we have to stay in ministry for our whole life. Stand firm. Stand on the gospel. Don't swerve off to the right or to the left. Why? He says, therefore, because of the certainty and centrality of the resurrection. Because Jesus lives right now, again. And so shall we. We are called to stand firm. Do you need to hear that today? Have you been thinking about bailing out? Bailing out on Christ? bailing out on the church, bailing out on serving the Lord, doing the work of the Lord, stand firm. Let nothing move you. And number two, serve hard. Work hard. Throw yourselves into ministry. Look what it says again. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. The King James Version says, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I love that word, abounding. It means overflowing. You know, that word is perisuo, which is that word that, if you remember that time I I poured water all over the stage, it's the same root of that word. It means to to be poured out and to, to overflow. Pouring yourself out in the work of the Lord. NIV, give yourselves fully. Don't hold back. Don't play it close to the chest. Yeah, that'll mean sacrifices. That's what this means. Pouring yourself out in the work of the Lord has a cost to it. Whenever you give something, whether it's time, talents, or treasures, you aren't holding that thing back for later use. You're giving it away. And that costs something. But the Bible says that's a good thing. That's exactly what you should do. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now don't do it because somebody twists your arm. I love it that this church family has a no arm twisting rule, right? Every once in a while I have to call in a favor, but I never twist an arm. We do this because, did I hear an amen on that? There might have been a, uh <laughs> You've twisted mine before, Pastor Matt. Open yourselves up to being used by the Lord in service. Pouring yourself out in the work. Now the Greek word for work here is Ergo, right, from which we get our word ergonomics, right, kind of the shape of our work. It means work, deed, action, task, undertaking. It's all those things we do for the church, for the mission of the church in the world. Maybe here on our campus and maybe out there in the world. It doesn't all happen here. What ergos, what ministries do you have? What ergos are you involved in? I know I've missed some. I've tried to throw in each one that I could think of, but you're probably thinking, oh, he hasn't mentioned this part or that part of the, of the ministry. There's too many to come up with all of them. In your bulletin, we used to call the church family news the opportunities for ministry. you Remember that when it was, it was called the opportunities for ministry? The bulletin says we need workers for Kids for Christ at Family Bible Night. Heather Dobo is like Uncle Sam. She's pointing at you. Is this you? Are you called to help with family Bible night, with Kids for Christ? There's a meeting this Wednesday at 8 p.m. Is that your ergo? We need folks to join the prayer room ministry and the greeter ministry and the coffee ministry and the children's ministry and moppet's. We have lots of places for people to use their gifts and to serve. Are you giving yourselves fully to the work of the Lord? Stand firm, serve hard, because, number three, it's worth it. Last phrase. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, that word labor there is a different word than ergo. It's not the word for work in the first part of the verse. It's a different word. It's kapos. And it indicates the hardness of work. Sometimes we use the word toil or sorrow. It's work tinged with grief and sadness. One dictionary says that kapos is intense labor united with trouble and toil. Have you ever served on a ministry team like that? Sometimes it's a lot of kapos in ministry. It's not always fun. It's not always appreciated, but it's always worth it. Because you know that your kapos in the Lord is not in vain. Now, for the Corinthians, they were wondering if if they died and the Lord didn't return, did they miss it all? Did they miss their reward? Did they miss the kingdom? I mean, they died. Did all of their hard work for the kingdom go down the drain? What if we die? And so many of our Lance Free Church people have died. How many have died since 1892? We have no founders left. We were refounded in the late 1960s. Only a handful of our refounders are left among us. How many have we had to say goodbye to in the last five years? Just off the top of my head Ann Kyler, Ann Nydrick, Lloyd and Dora Hampton, Brenda Plisco, Beatrice Johnson, Blair Murray. What about them? What about their labors in the Lord? Are they in vain? No. Why? Because of the resurrection. Because Jesus is alive again and because He has promised that we will be too. Because of the resurrection, we know. You see, He says we know. This isn't just we guess or we hope. I was talking to somebody in the foyer yesterday about kind of hoping to go to heaven. Hoping for a resurrection body. No, it says, we know that our labors in the Lord are not in vain. Do you know that? I love the implication of this. It means that we can literally die doing ministry and nothing could stop us from seeing the return on our investment. And that's at any age. I mean, what's the worst that can happen to us, right? We can die, right? Somebody can cut your head off for doing the work of the Lord. You can be shot for doing the work of the Lord. And Paul says, so what? Is that the best you can do? Is that the worst you can do? Satan is kill me. Well, guess what? I'm coming back to life. Kill me. I'm coming back. I don't want to die doing ministry, but I'm ready to. Because I get to come back. And nothing will stop the return of Of the reward to us, so I can stand firm and I can throw myself into ministry because I cannot lose. That's what this verse says. You cannot lose doing ministry. That's what this verse teaches. We cannot lose. Lance Free Church, we cannot lose doing ministry. Now, that only applies to our work done in the Lord. If you're not in the Lord, then you yourself will not live a blessed resurrection. Your work, your strivings, your kapos will achieve nothing more than whatever you can grasp in this life. If you're outside of the Lord, then I fear for you. And invite you to come in by faith to His salvation and His service. And even for Christians, the things we do that are not of or for the Lord are spurious at best and sinful at worst. We need to be asking ourselves about everything we do. Why do we do it? Do we do it for the glory of God? The missionary statesman C.T. Studd wrote a little poem that has been quoted many times in the last 100 years. It says, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Of course, he means only one short life in this fallen world. Because there is a second life. There is a life to come. That's what this verse teaches. There's a second life coming in the resurrection. And what we do now will reverberate into eternity. What we do now for Christ will last. Stand firm. Serve hard. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not.